Ladies and gentlemen, trans and non-binary punks of all ages and denominations, welcome back to another episode of Not Just a Phase. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here on this crazy planet we call Earth. We're online at notjustaphase.net and on Instagram at notjustaphase worldwide. And occasionally we tweet some nonsense at NJAP worldwide as well. I'm Elias and I'll be hosting today's episode with one of my new favorite UK screamo acts, Deadbird. Deadbird mixes screamo, post-hardcore, and post-rock-esque instrumentation, creating a harrowing sonic journey that you can find on their 2022 debut album, In the Absence Of, which quickly became one of my favorite records of 2022. Joining us on the pod today are Thomas and Chris. Uh, Hello, I'm Tom from Deadbird, and this song is called The Shell That Echoes Only.
the space station to keep it safe, you said uh, the main threat to the space station crews living on board is orbital debris. Um, you'll hear us sometimes at NASA use the phrase MMOD, which stands for micrometeorites and orbital debris. But up where the station orbits, there is actually not very much micrometeorite. It's almost all orbital debris. That is stuff that we have put up there, either accidentally or on purpose, that's orbiting around the Earth at enormous speeds, much, much faster than a rifle bullet. So to keep the station safe, it has what's called a debris shield. So instead of just having your um, hull of your space station, which is a single wall of aluminum, out there facing the orbital debris, where if something hits it, it could punch a hole in it. Okay, cut in super epic song. Okay, and we'll start now. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for talking with us today. How are you guys doing? Very good, thanks. Thanks for having us. We're very excited to be with you. Yeah, really good. We're just uh, appreciative of you having us on. We're really chuffed to be here. Oh, we're so happy to have you guys. And then uh, for our listeners at home, please, can you please state your name and what role you play in the band? Yeah, my name's Chris. I play drums in the band. Uh, my name's Tom. I play guitar and sing slash scream. <laughs> All right. Very awesome. Um, so we'll start softly. How uh, Outside of music, do you guys have any hobbies or passions that like kind of occupy your free time? Uh, yeah, for, well, for me, outside of music, not really. No, it's all music based. It's uh, lots of drumming and I'm pretty much into electronic music. So I kind of make a lot of that with modular synths and stuff. And that's about it. Yeah, I uh, it's, the big one's music for me as well. Um, but alongside that, I also, my job, I... Um, I make films, I do music videos. Um, that's a big passion of mine. Um, but yeah, the main thing's music, and the main thing for me, myself at the moment, is this band. All right, very cool. Um, and we usually like to kind of kick off the episode by asking, um, what got you guys into like punk rock or like the underground music scene in general? Like, what was your kind of entryway? You start as far back in your life as you like. Uh, well, I guess. Um... I guess it was kind of well for me it was meeting tom actually i think i can't exactly remember how we first met and how but we were we were in a band together a long time ago um with another friend of ours and that kind of opened opened the door to all this kind of new music where um i can't remember what the site was that we used to use but there was um, a, it was the collective zine that's it yeah and uh, basically there was just like all these kind of unknown Screamo albums and Slint and all this stuff that I'd never heard before that we just like download and listen to and then just get excited about. And then we formed a band trying to rip it all off <laughs> years and years ago. And um, and yeah, that, that was kind of the intro, intro to me to this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, it was kind of like the first time I heard music that really appealed to me 
I think on like a real deep emotional level. And um, from there, it's just spiraled into trying to get, I mean, I still listen to some of the stuff that we used to listen to like 20 years ago now. And it still has the same effect on me on, as I went when I first heard it. So it's, um, yeah, I can't remember how we met now. I remember when we first met, you had a Blink-182 t-shirt on. Did I really? That does not sound like me at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you did. Um, we met through music and it was, I was in a band that um, was called My Name is Legion at the time. And we'd gone through... I think it was two drummers. Um, we had a girl, Caridwin, and another chap who was helping fill in called Alex Marsden. Um, and, yeah, I think you responded to an ad, Chris, because we yeah. were after... I thought so, because I didn't, know, I didn't know you guys before. So I have yeah. a I was, like, looking for a band just to drum in and and saw this thing saying, oh, yeah, this is kind of, we're into kind of heavy stuff. And I was like, all right, cool. Give it a shot. I think we tall on as well <laughs> probably, that's probably how you got on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. how it's went. but um for myself um i think i got into all this weird and wonderful music originally through limewire i don't know if you remember that like peer-to-peer yeah. oh um, definitely yeah i i i've yeah spent a lot of hours on there just downloading various various albums and bits and pieces but the one day um i think i was trying to get a planes mistaken for stars album this record uh, a retrospective i downloaded next to it and it was satia and uh it just absolutely changed my life um just like those picked beautiful jazz chords next to this just discordant screaming i just never heard anything like it um and it was like, at first, I found it hard to listen to, but it was like a lot of the records that I found that I've grown to love, it took me a while to get into them. But once you broke the back of it, you fell in love. Um, and there was a record store, because I'm from Birmingham. Like, Chris is originally from here as well, from Birmingham. He doesn't like to admit it, but he's from Birmingham. <laughs> that bit has, that yeah. bit has to be cut. <laughs> <laughs> what did that happen? He's, he's had to uh, lose his accent now he's down in Brighton. But... Um, <laughs> There was a record store in Birmingham called Tempest Records. And I think it's very much like in um, the US. There's a scene that grows around the store. And uh, we and I ended the band that myself and Chris were in, um, Knives. Russ used to work at that store. He was a bit older than both of us. And I think like the formation of my taste in music was through that store. Um, I managed to get low records by the cable car theory, iRobot. Mm. Uh, Neil Perry, um, 10 grand. Like the, the reason we started speaking as well, Elias, is um, because of like our mutual love of all things Screamo. And um, yeah. this this store just like it blew my mind. And every, like, so I was really young at the time. I think it was about 16, 17. I'd go in and I'd like have the money that I'd made for that week. And I was doing uh, an animal care course at the time. Um, and working at like the Sealow Centre in Birmingham, and I get a, a small amount of pay because I was being trained at the same time. But I'd go in every payday because I got paid weekly, and I'd buy a seven inch. I could never afford an LP. Sometimes it's safer. <laughs> but I ended up with some amazing stuff, and it was also 
through the the people that were working there was nathan um russell and a guy called richard like they just introduced me into this scene in birmingham that i didn't know existed um and there was a great little community back then um but yeah yeah i'd say that 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 record store really helped formed my love of screamo and all all the other things i love now that's so awesome so it's like a medley it sounds like between the both of you of like both meeting in person having like a location that like became like a center point of like all this you know at the time especially like really unique music and also of course the internet yeah yeah, yeah. and uh yeah because russ i remember russ would just like come into practice and just be like have you heard this and we'd be like no and then we'd borrow it and we'd be like, all right cool yeah that's that's amazing that's we'll awesome. that. it's like we'll a definitely screamo dealer because <laughs> <laughs> it was obviously like you had all the gravity record stuff as well like heroin right. like I, I started loving like the 3-1-g bands as well i started playing in a few rip-off bands uh i was playing in a band called beast on lips many many years ago and that's when chris went off to go and form what would become ttmg yeah, yeah. chris did a lot better <laughs> <laughs> different different things different things well you know musical journeys always uh branch out into different things it's like you know i had no idea until i don't know how long it was before i got i was into botch first and then like i heard minus the bear in a completely separate way and then i was like wait there are people from minus the bear that were in botch like you know you never know where it's going to take you sometimes yeah 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 I mean, like uh the the band knives that we had back in the day was was kind of like a Don Cab shellac ripoff band, um, which which was awesome. But that was very informative for me. Like with all the, we were kind of exploring time signatures and stuff. Mm. So that when I joined yeah. um, the other band, I kind of took all that with me. And they weren't really using t time signatures much then. And then when I came, kind of brought the, this kind of this new stuff that Tom had introduced me to, and then I brought it into this kind of like math rock indie scene. And um, yeah, seem to seem to work out all right. But um, yeah, and thank thank Tom for the introduction to that. <laughs> oh bless you, man! Thank you, Diz. I didn't. <laughs> that's that's mind blowing to be honest. Um, thank you. That's really cool to hear. Okay, so like in that similar vein, I mean, you know, we all love to rep our scenes, right? But like, I gotta know, especially Thomas talked a little bit. Like, what are the UK screamo bands that like people need to hear from like back in the day? You know, we'll talk about oh, the contemporary scene a bit more, but there, I know there's some old gems that y'all might have buried for us. Oh, I've got some good ones, actually. So, The Murder of Rosa Luxemburg. Never they're fantastic. From, so, they're from Worcester. Um, uh, I've forgotten the name of the record now. I think Everyone's in Love and Flowers Will Pick Themselves. I think that's the name of the record. Um, but they were fantastic. Sort of similar vein to, like, Blood Brothers, two uh, vocalists um very mathy on the on the album but before that they were sort of i'd say very 3-1-g influenced on the seven inch they did but that's really worth tracking down i think you can watch it on youtube like listen to it on youtube i saw it on there uh another band uh army of flying robots very like orchid influenced really really good um then there's some pals of ours and we played a fair few times with these guys they were originally called snowman and this a seven inch knocking about um but they became what price wonderland i believe you've spoken to me about these actually yeah. dude. and uh 
they were fantastic and I, I was friends with all those guys for for years and so is chris and um Josie actually does mastering he's a mastering engineer now um james I haven't spoke to in years he was the uh drummer and i can't remember the name of the other uh the other member but they were great they were that sort of i don't know discord influenced like i i when they originally started it was definitely screamo but it kept, became more sort of that discord hardcore sound as it went down the line i classify that what price wonderland one is more hardcore than i would like post hardcore than i would screamo yeah but they i um some other ones like some i wouldn't say there was screamo but for like birmingham where where i'm from uh and chris is from i'm gonna say again um, <laughs> uh, i'm not gonna say black sabbath because that's an obvious one uh that, but uh dead sun rising named after the zenny gave a song i don't know if anyone knows them uh they were a massive uh influence on me they were sort of like page 99 so two vocalists mm. again about eight members and used to just flatten the place there you can like if anyone wants a copy of their stuff mm -hmm. i'm sure they'd be happy if i was to send it out like um if you want my email i can send it to you dude but it's it's great stuff but um, yeah, there's loads of really that around that time there were some great bands out there, man, and we played with a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We were kind of lucky. That's yeah, so really awesome. lucky. I mean, do you remember we played the Laquiette show? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. That oh was my like, god. Yeah. We did that was. Stuff, actually, yeah. Do you remember that lineup? Like it was you. So it was Knives at the time, right? And then you guys were opening for Laquiette. And who else was on that? Um, I'm assuming it was a tour. So. Do you remember it? No, we, oh, that maybe may just been a one-off show. I think. Oh, was, okay. It was a um, it was an outbound show, um, but they tore the roof off the place. Is it Tiger Suit they did, or is that Rain? Uh, Rain did Tiger Suit. Is it Rain? Did we play with Rain as well then? Because I'm sure mm, I remember. I, I they transistor, Okay, but yeah, that was we had a song in Knives uh, called Steve Albini wants his riff back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we got that name from someone shouting it from the audience <laughs> <laughs> which i thought was fantastic but yeah uh, we, should we should probably have worked on our own sound a little more but... <laughs> yeah and I think, do you know what like myself and chris hadn't played music in i don't know how many years and it was great to get back together but i think that was part of what was great about starting dead birding doing dead bird is we've sort of gradually found our own sound whereas mm. when we were younger it was trying to emulate it's actually becoming something i'd like to think that it's becoming something of its own yeah we should probably talk a bit about the about yeah how the band kind of started again because i think after knives finished must have been about what 2007 or something eight yeah whenever i moved i moved and joined another band anyway moved cities and, and knives kind of like finished mm. And we, we kind of, me and Tom lost touch for quite a few years. And then it was, that's probably about five years ago now, isn't it? That we kind of just yeah. got back in touch and we were like, you know, just caught up with each other, no intention of like particularly playing music. But then pretty quickly it came up, it was like, oh, how about we try and reform Knives? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we we kind of reached out to Russ, but he, he, just, he just didn't have the time to, to do it again. So kind of we... We kind of messed around like looking for another bass player to kind of recreate this 
this thing and it took took us about three years we wrote so much stuff and scrapped it all and we just felt it wasn't it just wasn't really right we kind of wasn't we were trying to kind of rehash something was like 10 years 20 years mm. ago for us mm. and we were just like, no we need to like we need to start again we need to like write kind of where we are now and like where where our hearts are now and it and then tom tom, tom should probably explain rather than me about how this album came up but um yeah. i think just before that we we'd almost written a whole album hadn't we that we completely scrapped <laughs> we, I, I, we just got the google folder here and i think we had i think it was 60 songs or 60 ideas oh man yeah pretty but prolific, we... yeah um but yeah. it just didn't it just didn't really sit sit right and we, we would have long conversations about you know we put all this time in surely we should use it and we're like no no it's not the, the one thing we want is that for eight we need to like it ourselves 100 percent and be yeah. authentic because yeah. uh i just feel like that's the number one thing you can take away from the song is if you know the people who wrote it like really meant it and um yeah probably a good time to hand over to tom to explain about it um yeah this is weird because i'm not really talked about it apart from with the band really but i think anyone who well i have like because we obviously did a kickstarter to do the record but um in the absence of the the whole name of it really it was uh about my mother who passed away uh which is probably about a year and a half maybe two years ago now uh, and answers oh thank you man um and the record the music was written as a way of me coping um because i the this first record i wrote the music on uh my own with chris like uh we wrote it together um and yeah, it's really hard to sort of explain like i was i went through a it was quite traumatic let's say it was through covid and i ended up having to nurse my mom and she passed away at home with me and um it, the record's the lead up to it and it's the end and there's various other things that have gone on in my life. It's really, really like heartfelt, personal without trying to sound, I don't know if I sound a bit corny, but it was a lifesaver to me really. And having Chris um, be there and going through it with me, he's seen me go through the pretty crap. (laughs) Yeah. But coming to the other side and like, we formed it. It sounds weird to say, but I don't feel like this record I wrote it. I feel like it was given as a gift. It passed um, through. Yeah, it passed passed through me and passed through Chris, and it's it wrote itself. Like I don't really take credit for it, um, and I don't think I should. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was a healthy coping coping mechanism to a really shit time and we've now literally it's i think we sent it off for uh pressing them probably a year ago now maybe yeah and i've I've still not held one in my hands and like i'm coming down to brighton on saturday and it'll be the first time i've held one and it feels like to me like it's a um i don't know it's a bookmark Mm. and it's something that i want to leave in the past but it was i can look at that and i'm so proud of it and in the liner notes it's dedicated to my mom janet wagstaff and um 
yeah, it's it's nice to see see such a positive thing that we've played shows and um, there's one song on there that I use my mum's words within the song um, called Sunflowers Rise. We'll probably play that later. I think we've said we will. And um, it was what she said to me. And um, we've played it out and we've played it live. We played it at Art Tandrum Festival, which we were lucky enough to play. And it's the one song that's resonated with a lot of people and people who have gone through similar things to myself. And I was sat writing this on my own, not thinking one day that I'd be singing this from a stage. And it, I'm no illusion that we're like a massive band or anything, but like I've had a few people who have messaged me and who have come up to me after shows and like hugged me and said that is how a similar way to how they were feeling. And for something positive that brings people together to come out of something that was so traumatic, it's amazing. And I just feel really lucky um, that we're able to put it on a piece of vinyl and it's become a work of art.
amazing i mean i i kind of felt like there was definitely like a, a lot of like profundity to the album and it definitely feels like there is like a central narrative around a specific person and yeah. um i kind of picked up on a little bit of like i i thought it was initially maybe like almost like kind of like thematic elements of like religion but it feels like it's that from what you've told me now like it sounds like it is like a bit more about a conceptual conceptualization of like faith and like yeah. this relationship you had with your mother, that's a really beautiful thing. And that is something that is incredibly powerful and vulnerable to share. So, you know, yeah. that's what it's all about at the end of the day is like finding something that connects with people in a different way. And it sounds like you guys really did that. I felt that when listening to the album, like it definitely, you know, I, we listened to probably some of the most emotional music on the planet, like just on its face. So, you know, when you feel something really, really special, like it definitely creates like a bookmark in your mind and that's really cool and thank you both for sharing that with us and with me that's really awesome yeah i think that's what we're kind of that's what we're getting at with the authenticity because because Mm. of the time that the lyrics and the music was written it's like right in the middle of it yeah and and i feel that like tom's pain is like encapsulated in this music and for me even even though I've been part of it, I can listen to that. And I and like even if I didn't know him, I'd be like, wow, this guy is like, he's really in this music, mm. you know. Um, obviously, I know because because we recorded it together. I know what it was like. But yeah, yeah and- you know, that's one thing I'm really proud of is like that really gets to that that thing that I wanted from 
from a piece well what i look for from a piece of music is to be like really hit like in the in the heart yeah and i mean that some of the some of the vocal work you did on this album thomas is like it definitely like i you know you listen to something but it's like really special when you can listen to something and then you ha stop what you're doing and then you really listen to it and i had that more than a few times with this so oh dude yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's, it was the last thing we did. I know, obviously, it would be the last thing we did, the vocals, but I put it off. I remember Chris, like, I, he was getting annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I just put it off, put it off, and put it off. Um, like, I, I don't know, there's no mystique, but the first track, The Shell That Echoes Only, if anyone reads the liner notes, there's no um, lyrics to it. Mm. And... There's a reason for that. It was the first one we did, and we recorded all the other vocals in Brighton, uh, um, a place called Brighton Electric. And um, we did all those separately to the vocals that were on Shell That Echoes Only. Um, and the ones that are on Shell That Echoes Only um, were done, and it was it was very soon after everything happened happened um i don't i won't go into all the minutia of it but the there are lyrics there but the there aren't at the same time because it was truly truly felt um and i was gonna redo them but i i think myself and chris like a lot of things on this record thought it was better to leave them as they were because it was more of a it was like a cap the time capsule in a sense and it was that moment it wasn't trying to recreate something um and I th yeah it was like capturing lightning in a bottle i suppose um yeah yeah um, that's exactly it like from a technical point of view that was our demo vocals like i recorded them we just went into a studio we didn't know what we were doing we had this like totally messed up setup where like we had leads that were like literally keep your head off if you walked like yeah like, they'll just stretch across the room and like we just plugged a load of stuff in and we we're just yeah. like all right we'll get some vocals down but it was so cathartic and so yeah. authentic that in the end i was like there's no way in hell that you're gonna redo these with lyrics or with you know better uh diction or whatever like you know better pronunciation because it just it just it just works so well and um i mean technically it's probably awful but i think you really you listen to it and you can imprint your own feelings on the top because the the fundamental like feeling is there mm. in whenever you listen to it and still gives me goosebumps whenever i hear that song i think now it's going to give me even more goosebumps now that i <laughs> know a bit more of the background so as you were approaching the studio it, so you wanted to hold off on were you holding off on the vocals for the whole album or is it just this particular song that you just kind of approached I'll, that way i'll be brutally honest i was nervous really 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 nervous and i i hadn't played in the band for a long time i, I was married for um i think it was god this is probably why i'm not married anymore i think it was seven years <laughs> <laughs> um but i'd split up with my wife and um that's that's how i started playing music again i tried to like figure out who i was again and i realized who i am is who i've always been and that's someone who loves music and is a musician um 
but yeah writing those lyrics it was like learning to be myself again and learning i can do it and i'm not saying it's like riding a bike because it wasn't at all it was really really hard to find that voice again and Mm. i'm 37 now and um it's not like it was when i was 18 where i'm writing things down and it's like that'll do i wanted everything on this record to be a building block and if one of those blocks weren't in place it would have all fallen down so i wanted the lyrics to have as much weight as the music potentially had um and also while writing them to not have a woe is me attitude or make it about myself um because i didn't want it to be a, a like a pity party almost i didn't want it to be oh, this sucks. Yeah. I wanted there to be a positive thing there. Because also talking personally like about my mother, she was a very, very positive pers- person. She would like, help the community around here. She like volunteered. Um, like everybody who spoke to her, she was just like a just a, like, a beam of light. You know, one of those personalities. And the last thing she'd want is me. And she'd the last thing she'd want is me to be upset or to go down that dark route. Mm-hmm. So through the record, I wanted it to be like the light at the end of the tunnel. And I wanted you to travel from that moment of, cause it wasn't a moment. It was a lead up. Then there's a release and then there's the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I wanted the record to basically be that journey. So at the end of it, you've been through something, but you feel like things are going to get better because they will. Yeah, and things always. Yeah, that I, that makes sense because the way you kind of cap the end of the album with um, "Mono no Aware," it's a, it's is a Japanese. It is. It does. It does feel like it takes like a very. Um, it brings the light in. It lets the it lets there be light in a lot of ways because it sounds. It, it, the lyrics when I was reading them were very positive. I don't. I, I'm sorry. I don't remember them quite off the top of my head, but it definitely felt like it was a sort of like an ex an exhale like. In yeah. a lot of ways. How? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. After you, Ali. Sorry, Ali. Oh no worries. Yeah. I I was gonna ask, like, Ed, for your first show, like, how how did it feel to finally, like, really kind of breathe life into this, not just for yourselves and like hear it out loud in that way, but to also see how it hit other people, like, in real time. That must have been a hell of an experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Um, we should probably talk about how we put the band together. Um. Yeah, maybe before we just talk about the shows, because again, as Tom said before, like how this album kind of wrote itself through him, the actual formation of the band just seemed to happen as well. Um, We really didn't struggle at all to find really excellent people, Um, not just musically excellent, but just genuinely super awesome people, which was the first the first thing we wanted to do was like we we need nice people in this band yeah we're not gonna come up with anything else like we have to get on we've got to be like super good friends and you know we've got to have a good vibe and understand each other musically and luckily we found the perfect people straight away and they just fell into place they were they learned the stuff and then we had a couple of practices and I think the, the eye-opening thing wasn't that first show. It was the first practice that we had when we were all together. Mm. And we played the first track on the album. And 
I was just like, oh man, this is happening. And like, it sounds good. <laughs> like, I'm excited. Um, it was mind blowing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it good. Was because, you know, we've worked on it for many years mm. and we weren't sure, you know, we weren't sure anything was going to happen with it really, but we did want to complete it. And I think we did want to try and at least play it live once. And then I think if we could, you know, if it was a disaster, we might have just been like, okay, cool. Well, at least we, we wrote it. Um, but, yeah. um, but like <laughs> it's become so much more than that already. Um, but yeah, that what first you... Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. What you were saying about um, it being uh, about like having good people around you. I think the, the one thing that that made me think about is how if you're writing music that is highly emotional, highly uh, vulnerable, the people that are around you, uh, like it's paramount that you can trust those people. It's paramount that you don't feel insecure or small or, and you support each other. Mm. And like, I wanted to, yeah, reiterate, like finding these people, it was like these people, they're now my friends. And like, like Pete, I'm going to say all the names quickly, just so they're on here. Oh yeah. Give give them the love. So like Pete, Matthias and Tim, they're they're phenomenal players and i'm not going to say phenomenal human beings because they'll just get big heads but like they're <laughs> wicked guys as well uh it's uh, we're, we've landed on our feet and we feel really okay that's really cool okay so then how did did you so you two came together and you were working on this album like how did you start the process of being like this is how we're going to find like other members of the band well we um i remember I remember talking, I was at um I was at Anya, who's Pete's girlfriend's birthday in Brighton. And and we just we were just chatting and like he knew he's in some other bands and stuff. And um and we were just chatting about music basically all night. And um and he he's a guitar player and a singer. Um, but kind of after that conversation just kind of dropped it in that we were looking for a bass player and like does he know anyone you know around here because he lives in scotland which is which mm. is quite a distance away from where we're, i mean we're all live apart but he's definitely the furthest away anyway i like dropped into conversation and he was like well i'd be you know i'd be up for playing and i was like seriously and um he was just like yeah yeah i just you know i just learned bass it was fine and um and then i think straight after that evening i texted tom and i was like um like this guy wants to play <laughs> how do you feel about that and like i can vouch for him he's really nice and tom was well up for it and then mm-hmm. we had a practice just with pete did we i think yeah it did. we had just uh, yeah. One practice with played pete. on the record. yeah 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 so, we, so that was before we recorded sorry mm-hmm. uh, that we were trying to like put the band together but Basically, we, we kind of felt that the record was done. But then after meeting Pete, we were like, well, we'll get him to play the bass lines on the album because Tom Tom had done the rest of it. Um, and so we re-recorded the bass and then like jammed with him. And then we we're like, well, we need, there's so many guitars laid on this record. We need, we definitely need more people. Um, so we just put like an advert out, I think. And um the first two people that got in touch were Matthias and Tim. And weirdly, Matthias was, um, so he's from Chile. And um, he was a promoter that I met when TGNG played in South America. 
and he put on our show and then oh, I thought, cool. oh, yeah, he's great like um i loved him he's an amazing guy i'll never see him again <laughs> um he just crops up like having moved from chile to bristol and like answered our advert and he was like yeah i'll play guitar he's, <laughs> he's really good and then tim answers and he's like yeah i'll play guitar and then he's really good and we're like wow that was like it all happened in the space of like a week or something that's wild like, wow someone is like someone is helping this this yeah this along because the whole thing's been very i mean it's been hard work um mm. the, the kind of like recording in the mixing stage was was tough but again it's like mm. we didn't know what we were doing and i'm like i'm pretty pretty damn happy with how it's turned out for saying that we were just kind of fumbling along <laughs> you know yeah. you know we're not trained we just did it because we thought it sounded good and um and i'm and like, i listened to this album i'm like hey i'm actually really proud of this one oh man yeah same um what was i gonna say i've completely forgot sorry i haven't even spoken about that first show (laughs) (laughs) i don't know so it was the first show in bristol yeah yeah we were were all really nervous because none of us have played particularly uh recently Mm. yeah um, yeah it was good it was uh it was we got there and um I remember getting there and the nerves were there. And the moment we walked in, they said, oh, you're playing on the floor. And I was like, we're, we're doing a floor show. And they were oh, like, yeah, nice. oh, wicked. I can deal with this. I thought I'd have to be on a stage, but I'm used to playing on floors. I like this. And it was wicked. Like um, there was a great band called, uh, there was another one. So Owl Guy Bloom. Uh, they're oh, good. yeah. Huge they're fans out. of them too. Yeah. Really nice guys. Um and I can't remember, maybe I think it is as well. Mm. Yeah, they were. But yeah, it was awesome. And it it was, I know this is going to sound really cheesy, but I hadn't played in a, a long time. And it felt like coming home and I felt at peace and being able to sing these emotional songs that like obviously have weight. The weight came off my chest personally and it felt better every time we did it as well for me that's really awesome man it sounds like so many different pieces just kind of started coming together after you guys connected huh yeah yeah that's what it all happened fast and it all you know we've been working on that record for you know in bits and pieces for quite a while like Mm. years in a way but then you know after we threw away all the stuff then this kind of like this the sound of that record just appears and tom luckily you know got it all down somehow <laughs> and and like put an album together and um yeah and then it, then, it, then it was just like okay let's let's do this music justice because it's obviously come from somewhere and i think that's why you felt a bit nervous about the vocals because you know we'd had the record in a kind of finished ish state for a while that we'd listened to and we we're actually really happy with it and we were kind of like okay let's not ruin it by the vocals right. and we had a lot we had a lot of discussion about <laughs> what the vocals were going to do and you know and you were worried about that first song because they're so sparse mm-hmm. you know they only come in like halfway through and it's just a few shouted things and i'm like no it's that's exactly what it needs to do and like we've got to have faith that like it's not standard but like this yeah, is man. the thing for that record and i think i still think it is i still think i mean is. I'm made up for uh, not having any like standardized lyrics for that one with the rest of the album because yeah. like we did the 
the Kickstarter and um, part of the uh, if you pledged, I think one of the things was that we'd give you uh, handwritten lyrics alongside. And I think around ten people got like bless them, like they uh, they they ordered the the lyrics, and uh, I didn't realise <laughs> how many how many lyrics there were. <laughs> I think I finished them last week. My hands only just started working again. <laughs> but I also, I did it once and then sent them and they didn't turn up at Chris's house. Yeah. I've, I sent them to the wrong address. Oh, no. Someone's That's like, what really... the hell is all this? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this feels cryptic. Should I, I wonder if this yeah, is like, something I should be concerned about. Why is there, why is there 10 copies of it? Yeah, it's mad. <laughs> yeah. Got there and it's all good. Yeah. I, I, that's i did want to ask and i know we're on the podcast they are there aren't they they are coming on wednesday so don't worry all right <laughs> yeah. all right guys don't worry they're on they're they're coming <laughs> so you mentioned like when you were in the studio so did you did you guys personally handle like a good amount of the mixing and mastering yourselves or was that something that you also kind of sourced from someone at the uh, studio as well we did all the mixing ourselves mm, so yeah. Tom, Tom pretty much um kind of when he was writing did some kind of basic mixes and then we spent a long time getting it right. Um, but not getting it right, so that makes it sound like you got it wrong. All my bad work. No. We, uh, yeah, I mean, it took us a long time because <laughs> we don't know what we're doing, basically. Um, but I was just still like, I, I am the best judge of what I think sounds good for this. Not trying to sound big-headed, but like mm. I have... I definitely am pretty controlling in a band situation, unfortunately, but only because I know how I want it to sound and and I don't need someone else to tell me that it should be some other way. Mm. So that's that's why I'm happy with it because we stuck with because <laughs> because it feels like this is how we wanted it to sound and it does sound like that. And yeah. I think that was an achievement in itself because in past experience you can go and record a record and it ends up changing completely to how you thought because other people have been involved and they bring their own ideas and then all sorts of other stuff gets in the way. Um, but yeah, so we did the mixing and then we sent it off to um, Rose Courts. Really great, a uh, really great guy. Yeah. Called Sam, who, who actually offered to do it for free for us. Oh, wow. Uh, because he, I knew him from, um, from my other band and uh, yeah, he runs a mastering agency. Um, called uh, Rose Quartz Mastering, who are super good and can highly recommend them. And he really worked tireless, tirelessly on this mastering because usually you would send it, well, in the past, I've just sent it to someone and they just sent it back and I've been, yeah, cool. I know nothing about mastering. Um, that sounds great. But this time we were really, we were like really on his back. Yeah. 15 iterations, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 15 times he had to do it. And <laughs> this is getting in the way of his paid work. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is, we're really taking it now. But, like, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it, again, like, it took a, it took a, it was a long process. And he really, he really kind of guided us about what he was doing at each step because we don't know anything about mastering. And, the good thing about doing it like this is we understand it a lot better now because we could hear every single difference mm. in revisions and we're like, ah, that's what that's what that means when they talk about this and like this is how it affects everything. We're like, do we like it more than this? No. 
and mm. we got a, a real mess like trying to pick between you know all these different variations that were all good in their own way but like there was always something missing so yeah. i'm sorry to stop you there chris was it like i don't know if i don't know anything about like uh technical terminology but is it, is it five hertz is yeah. that it was four and hertz four kilohertz four kilohertz and myself and chris were like it needs to be pushed like in like the four hertz range we need it up there and he's like guys no no that's not what you want and we're like no no it needs it anyway we've not forced this poor man but we've we've <laughs> We've made him, like, him. Yeah. applied the pressure a little bit. <laughs> anyway, like he's done this version and we played it to the rest of the band and they've gone, no, 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 just go with what he said. And like <laughs> we're like, no, but it's missing this. Anyway, Chris goes and has a hearing test and apparently where where is your hearing lacking, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I still stand by. It sounds good to me. And yes, my hearing is <laughs> Oh, uh, man. Lifetime of drumming is, you know... <laughs> yeah it is quite uh, fun because it probably sounds terrible to everyone else but to me it's like all right we did a good job here <laughs> that's so interesting for <laughs> <laughs> someone that can't hear a specific frequency yeah but... wow go figure did you know that beforehand or you have uh, no when i got it tested like about a w- i think it was a week after and i was like oh my god what have we done because we've just signed <laughs> off <laughs> it's come to the pressing plant um anyway so maybe it sounds a bit harsher than it should but whatever yeah maybe it's like another texture for people you know yeah Yeah. Yeah. i was gonna (laughs) i was gonna also ask so um like in the process of the album the artwork is very also like sparse like it's very much like you know you have the band name the album title and then it's like this almost non-typical photo of like a bloom dandelion where it's um you know it's got all the seeds and it's ready to blow away is that something that you guys also worked on as well or like is there a conceptualization behind that did you work with an artist Um, for that so that was actually that the the front cover photo was done by a friend of ours called Mia and she had taken that photo years and years ago and I remember when she first posted it up um I sent it I think I might have sent it to Tom and I said Mm. Or at least I, I certainly saved it, but I'm pretty sure I sent it to Tom and said, this is something I want to use in the future. I didn't necessarily know it was going to be for this or for anything. But as as the kind of theme of the album developed and, and things, it kind of really, um, it just kept standing out to me as like how it sounds to me. I can't really explain, but that image kind of sums up the, the sound and the feeling of the record. And so we only had the first um, kind of main dandelion. And and then as we were kind of talking about the artwork and like the layout and how the record is um, a journey through this whole thing, then we wanted the actual physical album to kind of reflect that in a way. And like, that's why there's like the, the full dandelion then it's getting blown off then it's missing on the end. Um, and she went away and took some more photos to kind of be in keeping with that. And then um, someone on the um, record label, uh, Voice of the Unheard, one of his friends kind of put the layout together. Um, but we were still heavily involved in in many, many revisions. Yeah. Well. <laughs> you know, more it, than 30. Yeah, you're right, though. And I think, um, I don't know how to say this, but like, for me, 
when you flick through, like I've got my records back here and I was flicking through them earlier mm. and um, I know what I want our record to look like as I pass through the other ones. And I want it to be, and you can probably tell that the Joy Division influence, the mm. simplicity, the, and it, we both knew that this one had to be black and white and all the imagery that we were going to use had to be black and white. Um, yeah, I, th I think, well, um, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the name of the chap who laid it all out for us, is, but he oh, didn't cool. make it. Yeah. Is it Paul? Yeah, Paul. Well, yeah. I think, um, yeah, it was, it was hard because he would, he would, he kind of have his own take on it. He'd send it back and we would say, no, but I can't tell you why. <laughs> it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Can you try and make it feel right? And he's like, what the, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> And he'd go away can... and make some changes and be like, mm, yeah, you know, I don't know, it's still... A little bit uh, more pizzazz. <laughs> you know, and we just couldn't explain it. And in the end, um, I think we kind of almost mocked it up ourselves in the end. And then said, yeah. can you just copy this and and make it, like, professional? Because we, well, I think we, I ended up drawing this, like, stupid little stick dandelion on a piece of paper with all the uh, stuff laid out. and. Hmm. Um, but even, you know, down to how you lay out the lyrics in a record is very, it all matters. Like we're trying to make, a, you know, a physical, that we're trying to do the music justice with every single part of it. And, yeah. and, and I think if we didn't care as much, then anything could have happened to the layout of things. And we'd just been like, oh yeah, it's cool. But yeah. we're still invested in this. I mean, I don't know if it'll be like this for the second record, but like this was so important that, I was like, we just have to get this 100% how me and you are happy with it. And then... I think what Chris said there... I think what you said there, because like you're talking about a second record, I was thinking, sorry, this is going to turn into a conversation now, but I was thinking about, which I suppose it is, but like I'm just... <laughs> I was thinking about how obviously this last record that we did and going forward, obviously, like I never, ever, ever want to go through like anything like that again. <laughs> that's, I'd say, that's pretty fair. Yeah, do you know what I mean, and uh, but I was thinking about other ways how we're going to manifest it in the next one. How it's that positive message, and I think it will get there. I think what I'm excited about as well is it's not me in a room, and it's not Chris in a room. We've got three other people there who have all got amazing ideas and. It'll be nice to have, like, not share the burden because it's not a burden creating, but it is a, uh, it's a mammoth task sometimes. And I'm just excited to see where it goes. But I don't yeah, think it'll, yeah. what it was before. No, no, it's gonna, it's gonna move, it's gonna move forward, which is the, which is good. Mm. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it will. And I, you know, we are all definitely looking forward to it. And I'm sure it'll come with even more hype now. I mean, once this thing gets in people's <laughs> hands, and I'm sure once they hear this and have even more context to yeah. like the story, um, I'm sure it's going to resonate a lot harder. Because you know, sometimes albums drop and people hear it, and you know, they don't. It's like what you said; like it takes time to kind of digest a sound. Um, mm. You know, pe people who like hated Jane Doe when it came out now swear by it, right? It's like that oh, kind man. of thing. So yeah. it could be similar, especially as yeah. the sound evolves with like more people in the band. I think, yeah, we've got a lot of good things going for us, and those three guys are going to really help, man. Well, very excited for what the future holds in that. Um, 
So kind of uh, back to like maybe a little bit more of like your scene and like the area. Are there any like local bands right now that you guys are very excited about? Yes, there's a band we played with. Um, so in Brighton, where I live now, um, we, we played our first show with a band called um, Chalk Hands, who uh, mm. yeah. based here as well. And they're, they're really good and really awesome guys. And they, they helped us out with that show. And obviously they've got an amazing uh, collection of music out already. Mm. But yeah, I've been listening to them a lot. And then, yeah, when we were lucky enough to play with Respire as well. Oh, those boys. Oh, my life. Respire is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so so good. I like had a like a spiritual experience at that Brighton show watching them. Like the sound just washed it. Like it's just amazing. And like watching, uh, oh, I listened to the pod they did for you guys, mm. and they were kind of shout us out. And I thought that was so nice. But um, like watching the two singers just like directly facing each other, just screaming, amazing. And they played. Uh, uh arc tangent as well and they tore the roof off the place there yeah they're wicked guys oh yeah we're uh we're big respire fans over at not just a phase that's for sure um i'm trying to think of the local ones um i can't like chalk hands to me and um <laughs> that yeah. album they put out last year was excellent yeah, yeah amazing yeah great sound to it um, but all the bands we've played with, we've been lucky enough to play with some great ones. I'm trying to remember names, but my my memory's hazy. And we've only done a couple of shows, though, to be honest. So yeah, we we've only done a few, um, right? So and I, like I personally don't massively listen to kind of like local music. Most of the stuff I listen to is based from based in America anyway, and mm. pretty old. That's fair. <laughs> Not to brag, our scene's usually pretty awesome. So it is. It is very good. I'm still listening well, to like. Love Ten Grand. We could talk. We, you know, if you want to spend the rest of the podcast talking about Ten Grand, I'm perfectly yeah, fine. I mean, I'm we... sure Rob would be mad at me, but <laughs> <laughs> we can talk for a long time about Ten Grand, and we we have done. Okay, yeah, have. all right. What's your favorite Ten Grand song? Both of you, Ooh. drop it on me. Come on. Fuck you guys, this team. Oh really? <laughs> I like respect. Mm. Oh, it starts with that kick drum for ages. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and then yeah. just oh man i just love that, that band they've got a such a, such a good sound i mean it's like technically terrible sound but like <laughs> again it's like it just captures it you know it doesn't yeah. need to be, it doesn't need to sound i don't know there's something the wrong. Toms. i remember someone telling me he doesn't have any toms no, what am I talking? really um, yeah. yeah oh wow yeah i'm a big uh, get out of my dojo guy i think that song's oh. crazy <laughs> Man, some of the na the names of those. And what's <laughs> my, my favorite album they did was um, oh, a list of, a comprehensive list of everything who everyone who's done anything wrong to us, yeah. and it starts with um, like that Radiohead, but it's a female like robotic voice that there's yeah. obviously and like that whole record, just that whole record's fantastic. And then they went on to Southern and they did uh, oh, This Is The Way To Rule. This Is The Way To Rule. That's probably one of my favorite albums by them. I think that's the most palatable one. If you go in like mm -hmm. with, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the first record, can't remember it. But yeah, if you go in at the start, it might be quite hard to get into straight away there. But I, I got into them off the level playing site and they mm -hmm. used to download one MP3 from each record. And I got into them, Transistor, Transistor. Uh, nice. And like that, we spoke about it before, didn't we? But Level Plane. Yeah. Uh, 
That's crazy. Yeah, that that way that that label occupied a specific space and time is still genuinely crazy to me. Oh man, like the, how it resonated in the UK as well. It was that perfect sort of um, I don't know, like the internet was just around, and then you had like um, people like the collective zine, and people were trading files, and like this scene that was in the US, like a tiny little scene like massively affected over here and you saw it bubble up and become this thing it was yeah incredible yeah i mean you know it's and it's interesting seeing like the first because you, there are a lot of bands who you think would like not be super into 10 grand or like it, you don't hear it in their sound but then you talk to them and they're like oh yeah matt davis is like one of my favorite vocalists i've ever heard or something like oh, that like yeah. i can't really say, like i remember um when he passed away there were the tributes left on uh the site and uh someone what did they say his cast iron vocal cords and i just mm. thought that was fresh i remember that to this day i don't think the site's there anymore it might be i don't know i haven't looked for years yeah it's interesting seeing how like that's kind of evolved into different things like the whole online because I, I used to be in a forum like way back in the day it was like a circle takes a square fan site that's how i got super into a lot of this music but now, yeah. like, you know, kids are, like, on TikTok or, like, they're finding stuff on Instagram. And it's just interesting to see how the scene has evolved. Have you guys, like, seen that since you, the band's kind of moved more into, like, that sphere of, like, I see you guys on Instagram and you guys have, like, a decent following. And, like, you know, your posts seem to do well. And people, the one thing I see that's different for your stuff from other people's stuff is people are talking about other bands. Because that's how yeah. we connected, right? Like, we start talking about other bands, like, in your comment section. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, I think... I mean, it's hard to do on like a page about your own bands, but like, mm. you know, to, to foster a kind of sense of community is like, it's so important. Like that kind of just people talking to each other and like, it's got nothing to do with our band. Like you can just talk about any bands you want. Yeah. You know, and I really like the fact that like, that that is inclusive for anyone that, you know, it's just, it's just kind of makes people like, we're not, we're not kind of like, out of reach people we're just normal people like you know mm. yeah to talk to people <laughs> yeah. I think that's a big big thing for me as well like I, I mentioned like when we played bristol and they were like you're playing on the floor i think i have a big thing like i really enjoy playing like tangent i'm looking forward to playing stages but i never want to ever be like think of myself as above anyone yeah i don't think abandoned um I, I, i'm part of that audience and maybe that goes without saying but i think yeah mention of the bands as well and like talking about respire and them speaking about us and what i remember from when we were playing music back in would you say 2006 was it chris yeah five and six yeah about 2006 what was beautiful about the the scene back then was it was close-knit and everybody was supporting each other and everybody was going to each other's shows and it wasn't just play and then walk off and go mm. it wasn't um, just you get your ego boost and you leave. Um, I think it was part of the fun of it was being involved in that scene and watching people grow and watching their musicianship improve and just being there to be part of something and not make it yours. It's everybody's. Um, and like, I don't know, I'd rather much rather see someone being lifted up than like, slagged off or like dragged down because someone's jealous and yeah. then, like i'm not the best musician in the world i know i'm not but 
only I can do what I do and only the people who are doing what they do can do what they do. So everything is worthwhile. Yeah, that is a beautiful sentiment. And I think that really sums up what the scene should be about, like ultimately, like all over. Yeah. And it's nice yeah. to see a, a lot more of it cropping up in different places, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, conversely, like I'm sure that there was probably some things you saw like initially either back then or maybe even now that like what were some things you didn't really like about um the scene like you know when you were coming up or in current times i'll give you an example of one um so we played with a band when i was in knives with chris called the automatic do you remember this chris <laughs> <laughs> and the automatic were like they went on to play on like GMTV, which is like the British morning TV. Do you know okay. what I mean? Like the national, like, I don't know if a, a dog saved a pigeon that week. I'm trying to think just a bit. <laughs> It'll be on GMTV, like really just trashy stuff anyway. But they were quite um, like an industry band. They had a mm. hit called, such hits as, uh, what's that coming over the hill? Is it a monster? Is it a monster? Such <laughs> lyrical um, prowess. But yeah, we were, um, we supported them for some reason. I just remember that we it was Halloween and we were wearing like silly skull masks. And yeah. like Chris, I think that's probably the same hoodie. It's not the same hoodie. But we were hoodies with like skull masks. And like the guy who was fronting the band at the time came into our dressing room and we were, I drank at the time and we were sharing like a four pack of beers. Mm. And uh, he took one to himself and then proceeded to just like tell us where we were going wrong and why we'd never make it. Oh, very cool. <laughs> Which he was completely right. We never did make it. <laughs> but um, he was like, you need to lose the masks. You need to uh, face the, face the uh, audience while you're playing. Um, I can't hear what you're saying through the mask. And I was like, good job, because I'd like to tell you a few things right now. <laughs> but, like, I think people who take it, because you should do what, take what you do seriously, but not yourselves too seriously. Do you know what I mean? And like, I I don't, when I was, when I say coming up, because I don't think we've ever come up, I think I've always just been on the same level playing, doing what we do. Like, I don't know. I've just seen people take it way too seriously and think they are God's gift. And I don't know. We're all just people at the end of the day. I don't want to be a rock star. Yeah, there's no rock stars in the scene, right? No. <laughs> That's not how it works. No, man. <laughs> I got to... Okay, so I got to ask, actually, like, what's your favorite um, show you guys... I know you don't have, like, a ton under your belt. So it could even be, like, a Knives show or a TTNG show if you want. But what's, like, your... Uh, What's your favorite show that you guys have played or a favorite memory from tour or anything? Um, well, one of the favorite memories from a knives, we did like a we did like a week's tour around Scotland with knives. Oh, cool. Uh, and I remember <laughs> like we just had no idea of anything because we I don't think we'd even properly played outside of Birmingham. But then we Should we describe the van, Chris? Pardon? <laughs> Describe the van. What did we I'd do? I'd rather not describe the van. Didn't we have like we had a garden <laughs> chair? I think like roped. It was the a, of the bank. a long garden chair that was mine that wasn't <laughs> fastened to the floor in the back of a rental van <laughs> that only had three seats at the front, and we had a guy who was doing merch 
and I had this piece of lawn furniture in the back that I I was like to have a beer and I was just sat in the back drinking beer going to shows just sliding around to <laughs> <laughs> um, travel yeah it was but you were you going to talk about Glasgow Chris no I was going to talk about that human pyramid that happened oh, in... that, is it Edinburgh no it wasn't Edinburgh yeah I yeah, don't yeah. all those shows were amazing <laughs> yeah I we had the best time but yeah to play to the, I think there were about nine guys yeah on top we just had nine people in the audience but they somehow made a human pyramid oh my god <laughs> so, actually one of my favorite shows i just remembered was we played a supersonic festival in birmingham and um tom and russ at the time used to play with these radio packs so that they you know they could just walk off and not they don't have a lead into their amp and um so so yeah they they kind of disappear off and there's a there's a section in one of these songs that it's just drums and the bass play for, for a long time and tom often used to kind of like walk around the crowd and do stuff. And during this show, like this, this kind of drum and bass is like going on for kind of like uh, too long. And we're like, oh, well, he hasn't he come, comes back to the stage and like does the vocals and we go into the next bit. But like, there's no sign of him. We're like, dude, we've been playing this for like two minutes straight. Like, where is he? <laughs> Looking around and like, he's like out, he's got himself locked out of the venue. <laughs> And he's trying to get someone's attention at the door but while still playing his riff, like trying to like bang. And eventually like some cons on because everyone's just watching me and Russ and no one's looking behind me. This is like three minutes of the same riff over and over again. And like, there's no sign of him. He got in eventually. I, I got in. You got so in. So you did get back. You did manage to get back in. Was a I got in, man. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have to like kick the door down? Did someone finally let you in? I, th- I, I wish it was in, as yeah. rock and roll as that. I think yeah. someone just opened the door and it went, thanks, and just like walked <laughs> <It's> the stage. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, good oh, dear. Well, the ones recently, though, like Arctangent was mind blowing. Like, I can't get away from that. Like, that was just incredible. I, we played at 11 in the morning. And I was like, no one, no one in their right mind who has been to a festival, who's drank like their body weight in booze, probably woke up like sunburn and like in their tent, just pers- mm-hmm. like sweating, is going to want to come and see someone screaming about his mom who's passed away. And <laughs> <Sorry>. then, <laughs> uh, lo and behold, the tent got fuller and fuller as we played. And it was amazing. Um, it was a wicked, wicked show. And we got to meet the Respire Boys for the first time as well. So, yeah, I'd go, I'd go, our tangent. I think they've all, yeah, I mean, like, speaking about Dead Bird um, specifically, every every one of the three shows we've done. Yeah. More than that, we've done yeah, we've four. Done four. Every one of the four that we've done have been special <laughs> in their own way. Um, yeah, I can't speak about TCNG because that's a whole different, um, that's a whole different thing, really. No, that's fair. But if you ever wanted to bring that to the US, you should uh, definitely let us know. Yeah, for sure. Definitely will. Yeah, um, love to. So uh, we, you know, one question we always like to ask is that: Is there a band that you haven't played with yet that you would like love to have on a bill with you? Like whether uh, you open wanna... for them or they open for you, or I want to, I want to support that dispute. Ooh, yeah, that would be a killer show. I, I just love that band so much. Eamon Ra? Eamon Ra I'd love to play with. Um, mm. Yeah, those two, who else would I say? 
Um, Elliot Smith, but I don't think there's any chance. That might be a little hard. Unless they do the hologram <laughs> for him, like they did with Tupac, <laughs> but I don't think that'd be a good idea. No. <laughs> it made me laugh because when I listened to the episode uh, with Respire on there, they were just talking about Elliot Smith and uh, the 80s music. And I was like, that's so true. That's what I listened to. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a Venn diagram somewhere. Yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, a lot of speed show would be pretty cool. So hopefully one day. Yeah, hopefully. If they ever yeah, hear fingers it. crossed. <laughs> I know this is getting harder and harder every year because more bands are reuniting. But is there like a band that hasn't had a reunion yet that you guys would like love to see or play with or you know anything like that? Uh, Neil Perry. Yeah. Oh God, I wish. Yeah, Neil Perry. Um, who else? Oof, that is a good question. Oh man! Well, my thing is because I want to come and see Satya, and mm. I couldn't go to the New York show. I'd love to come and see this uh, this these ones they're doing in uh, LA, and um, I can't remember where else. San Diego, mm-hmm. San Diego, and they're doing one in San Francisco as well. Yeah, and I, I've saw yeah, some of the footage from the New York shows, and it looked like it went well. I went to one of them. I know you did. It was probably <laughs> the craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, assuming if they do have something else planned after this, hopefully you can make it after that. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Definitely. Um, who else, Chris? Who would you like to see reform? Uh, Hot Cross. Blink 182? Are they still Ooh, together? Hot Cross would be the good one. They're, they're, back, they're back together. And Matt Skeep is gone, so hopefully it'll be a, you know, a return to form. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, we'll see what happens there. I mean, what like I'll say, like one of my favorite. This isn't screamo, but uh, the Jesus mm. Lizard for me when I saw those reform, that was like phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and Slint as well. I got to see Slint. Oh, yeah, oh, that's, slint. that's um, awesome. Yeah. Eighty. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were two bands that I never ever thought I'd see live, and like blew my mind when I saw them. I was the happiest. Yeah, happiest man ever. <laughs> man, I wish I could see Slint live. That would be nuts. Yeah. Um, have you watched the uh, documentary that comes with the new pressing? No, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I think there's a copy on YouTube at the moment. I'd really recommend anyone going and watching that. But if you can get a copy of the, the repress, it comes with a DVD and it's like footage of them at like, I don't know, they're 16, 17 years old, mm. like in the, the basement. Like when they wrote like, it. Yeah. And That's it's just so like, crazy. how young, like with those guys and they just created a masterpiece. I still they, think that's a masterpiece. They basically invented it almost the whole genre because there are still bands now that you can hear like, oh, they've listened to Slint. Like you hear it in there, you know? Oh, 100%, man. Like, yeah, like they're a massive influence on us, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, massive influence on us. I don't know if you can hear it in our music, but yeah, I love the like the that song "Wash Up." I mm. don't know if you're gonna, ever gonna get a better song. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. One of my favorite screamo bands of all time uh, is basically just a. They're basically just like we just wanted to be slant, but with screaming, and I think that they do it relatively well and they do a cover of washer and it's probably my favorite song by them uh, they're called mans they were from illinois i think 
Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. I'll send you guys their stuff. They had a they put out That'd some stuff on Kid Sister Everything. They did a split with a band called Line of the North. It's also very good. I recommend that as well. All right, cool. Awesome. Good tips, good tips from the Yeah. So we like to have like a goofy kind of question. So feel free to not answer this if you're kind of like more of a <laughs> pacifist, like peaceful person. But if there's one person on this earth that you could just like really just rock their lights out, like who would it be? <laughs> oh, I can give you a list. <laughs> you got to pick one. It's got to be one person. Oh. Mm. oh, go on, Chris. Is there any, you're a pacifist, yeah? Pretty much. I okay. just yeah. I am as well to be fair. I don't want to hit anyone. But the Okay. No, I'm not, I'm going to I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. Okay. Here, uh, let me let me reframe this. Is there someone that you would if they ordered uh almond milk in their coffee from you and you'd put soy instead? Who would it be? <laughs> um oh, I've got like an old boss that I'd do that to. <laughs> Um, and I don't think it'd be almond milk I put in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no. yeah, definitely oat milk. <laughs> like, yeah, go on, Chris. Have you got anyone you'd like to eradicate? No, <laughs> or, or... See, I've, I've banished. I've banished all these memories from my. All right, fair. <laughs> okay. All right. If you guys do, you I don't. I don't personally believe in this, but um, we like to ask. Uh, is there any music that you can that you would think would be considered cringy or like a guilty pleasure that you like really enjoy? Oh god, where can I start? Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah, Britney toxic. Spears. What a toxic is like uh, ever written. I tell you who I it's a banger. Absolutely so. adore. Um, she, she did the song "Love Story." Oh god, Taylor Swift. What's the name? Taylor Swift. The key change in "Love Story." phenomenal <laughs> the next time you listen to that wait for the key change that's like yeah the hairs on the back of your neck will stand up <laughs> incredible I'll, stuff i'm i'm a sucker for romantic stuff anyway so you know i watch like mm. hallmark movies like that's my whole business so yeah i can, I can, <laughs> I can get behind that 100 percent. i don't know if i'd like is there anything else cringe you like no no well, unless it's is art is is the style of music we listen to cringy. I don't know. Externally, like, I want to say yes, but internally, I would no. say no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I take it quite seriously. I don't laugh at myself ever. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Though, if someone asks me what kind of music I listen to, I just say you know, like punk. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that one. It's like it's like hardcore punk. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like <laughs> just metal. leave it at that. With metal and uh, yeah. crying. Lots of crying. <laughs> yeah, I tell my grandma it's just like rock and roll music. Yeah. <laughs> rock and roll. Maybe you you remember Elvis? I was like, that. Like that. <laughs> yeah. remember Elvis? This is a little, a couple notches removed from Elvis. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe some James Brown. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, if you ever watched any of the uh, the stuff on like, I, I've come off all social media at the moment, but like. On uh, Instagram, like you have, I can't remember the one that you sent me, Chris. Mm. And it's just like a bloke screaming about a scorpion being in the loo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, like, someone's put like a, a Midwest emo song behind it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't get enough of those. It's just, like, those are so good. I was like splitting up with a boyfriend, and some guy's just like playing twinkly guitar on the other side. 
I love like, those so much. Oh my god, this is music. We need so good. This, that's what it is. I blame merchant ships for all of that. That is all their fault, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Have you seen the one that's like, it's this girl screaming at her roommate because she slept with her father and someone did like... <laughs> no, but send that. that to me. I'm just like, that's, I'll find it and I'll send it to you. It's unreal. Oh I mean, there's some absolute diamonds of, mu of music. Yeah. Say. They write themselves, don't they? They're just they really like... Do yeah they're incredible i think that just goes to show how like universal the midwest emo riff can be you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah it it works that. in so many instances yeah. <laughs> uh i wanted to ask what you know aside from your own record of course like did you guys have like a favorite album of 2022 you could do like a top three too as well uh, um I don't know when half the stuff I listen to comes out. I listen to I listen to electronic music mainly. Mm. Um, mm. So what came out in 2022? I think I've been. Don't look at me, Chris. Like I'm 37 years old, and I'm like yeah. looking at my record. I mean, it could also be stuff you just heard last year. So you say electronic music? Are you okay. talking like more like dance music, or is it like a? Like... Oh, no, like Orteca, Venetian Snares, that kind of ah, okay, uh, IDM kind of stuff. Um, I think some of them, Caitlin and Aurelia Smith. Her, her stuff's really good. Um, Nina Barbieri, who's an Italian like uh, modular synth player, she's she's awesome as well. But yeah, I've just kind of been revisiting my Orteca collection recently and getting back into them. And then uh, yeah, still still playing Amen Ra, La Dispute, Ten Grand, yeah, all the classics, all the classics, all the classics. Yeah, what have I been listening? To? I listened to the new um, City Capital record. Ooh, yeah, that was actually really good. Not like, yeah, actually, like, that. Was, like I wasn't expecting it to be, but yeah, I I had a horrible feeling it was just going to be like, I don't know, a rock record. Hmm. Does that make oh, sense? Man. I don't know why. Yeah, but, like it's it's far much more than that, and I I really enjoyed the video work they do on it as well. Um, this I, I can't remember how to explain it, but like this, they've done that one video and they just the the aesthetics of the records really nice, like really good as well. Yeah, um, I love that they nice somehow managed to get weirder. Like it just got yeah. weirder, even. And I was like, "Yes, yeah, yeah, that. it's really cool." Um, so that was a new one. I'm trying to think of any other. I'm just scrolling through like my. Uh... <laughs> Did you listen to the new gospel record from last year? No, I've not. But I, I've got that on the list that I've got oh, to listen to. That you give it, yeah. yeah, give it a go and let me know what you think. It's fantastic. Is it really good? It actually, I, uh, I keep saying actually, like I'm surprised that any fans are still making good music. <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it is very good. Oh, wicked, man. Yeah, I'll have to do uh, Yeah, I'll be listening to one that of those, sorry, the sort of um, Blind Girls. I don't know if that came out last year. Oh, really. yes. Yeah, that, no, that album good. came out last year. It was the beginning of the year, so it kind of like faded uh -huh, from everyone's minds a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I've been really enjoying that. That's awesome. Was Re Respire's record out this year as well? I think the last thing they put out was in, I want to say 2020 or 2021. Okay. And I think that they well, did like I... some singles or I don't know if they did a split last year, maybe. I'm not sure. Because the album that I listened to um, after we played with them, I, th I thought that was fantastic as well. So it was new to me, cause like, obviously, yeah. but I thought that, that record was great. I think um, uh, then, maybe yeah. Blackline, is that what you're thinking of? Because that one came yeah, out in 2020. I believe that's the one. It was the one that you played one of the tracks on one of the podcasts here. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. enjoyed those. That. Yeah. And it, yeah, so that was 2020. So 
respire if you're listening to this we're due for some new music <laughs> yeah and uh, get us on best friend is it best friends fest <laughs> oh uh new friends fest yeah nff new, new friends fest I've i'll, be, I'll dis- be their best friends if they put us on <laughs> new friends fest. i honestly <laughs> think y'all should go anyway I, rob went last year and he basically i was like how was it he was like it's screamo summer camp you should come next year I was, like, okay. I was listening i listened to uh the podcast you did with those guys and they sounded absolutely like i don't know shell shocked after putting it on <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what had happened, but something had gone down, and I was like, mm, "Yeah, they might need a year off this." <laughs> I think because it got, was so huge. I think they sold yeah. out or something like that. Wow! Oh, you can watch the videos of it. It's, it just looks insane. Yeah, I, I saw if you look wicked. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to play that. I'd love to go. Yeah, I'd love to go. Um, I'm trying to think of bands. Like I can't think of it. I've mainly been listening to like genuinely, <laughs> yeah, genuinely just Taylor Swift. I've been listening to like Elliot Smith. I've been listening mm. to lots of singer songwriters, um, like Nick Drake, okay. um, like Nick Cave, all the Nicks, um, <laughs> Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> no, Steamy, Steamy Nicks. Oh no. <laughs> I think I saw a video about that, but I don't think we can talk about that on the podcast. Um, what was he going to say? Yeah, like, um, who else? Joanna Newsom. Cat um, Power. Yeah, I love Chan Marshall. I've been listening to Shed It's a Think as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, like, uh, kind of those. throwback hardcore a little bit. Yeah, man. And uh, and sessioning loads of, like, old mathy stuff as well like engine kid and nice uh who else um a bank like i've got to give a shout out to a band called table as well table uh, yeah so that's a fantastic got... band name yeah it's wicked i love the simplicity anyone... yeah <laughs> i think um you can still listen to them and if anyone's into that sort of uh real Dirty math rock sound and stuff. We got our where we got the name Dead Bird from. Um, it was from that band called Table. One of their songs was called Dead Bird, and this was years ago. Me and Chris always said we'll use that name uh, one day, and we did. But like, check it out um, if you search uh, Table Dead Bird on YouTube. Very good song. Yeah. I'll check that out. There's this. Uh, have you heard of Serling? I think they're from like Virginia. Serling. Serling. Yeah, so oh, they're, like, no, they're no. like a they're a mathcore band, and they are crazy. They're like super into. They're named after Rod Sterling from the Twilight Zone, and so like all okay. their stuff is like Twilight Zone themed. They're really crazy. <laughs> is that like that band Hatebeak? Where Hatebeak? <laughs> Have you ever heard of them? I don't think so. Oh my god! Oh, you need to look it up. Oh, you're gonna love me for this. Well, you're gonna love us for this. Yeah, they're so it's like a. Uh... It's a is it a hardcore band, Chris, or grindcore <laughs> band? Sorry, yeah, it's a grindcore band with um, uh, and it's fronted by a parrot. Ah, oh, hell yeah! Is it a hate breed? Par- is it like a grindcore band that makes <laughs> yeah. like hate breed songs with a parrot? Okay, <laughs> what's that? You know, have you heard of that? There's a band that does that with dogs or something. It's called like No Dogs yeah. No Masters or something like yes. that, and it's all yeah, barking yeah, yeah. and like grindcore riffs. <laughs> <laughs> We just need to do something like that, Chris. (laughs) Stop Dead Bird and we'll just do like... uh, A new animal. Get like a stoat. We need a a possum. A stoat. I don't know if stoats make a lot of noise, but maybe a possum would be good. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. Stoke based rock. Yeah. Stoke rock. Stoke rock. It's like post rock, but you know, with a stoke. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I see what you did there. <laughs> I'm into it. Well, that, that practice thing is going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. Um, okay. So here's one. If you could give the world a gift of any kind, what would it be? Oh, that's good. Sorry to hit like the hard left turn on you. <laughs> yeah, man. Like I'm just, I just I'm looking into space and like yeah. Go on, I I'm love bait go switch. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna I'm gonna say a stoat. I'm gonna say the gift of gratitude. Of yeah. gratitude, I should say. Gratitude. Um yeah. I, did, I know what I mean by that. I think I don't know. I think a lot. I don't know. Maybe it's just in my circle of people. I know, but sometimes I don't think we realize how lucky we are. And like, I think the fact that I'm talking to you on a podcast and the fact that we're doing this is amazing. And like, it's small things that I'm grateful for. And like, yeah. I think I give a lot of the people I know the gift of gratitude, but maybe I'm not being very humble by saying that. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good one. Mm. Yeah, I think for us, Chris, you can also pass. You don't have to answer if you don't. Um, would I give anyone a gift? No, I'm pretty, I'm pretty miserly, so no <laughs> gifts for anyone. All right, very, <laughs> it's very Dickensian of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being, you know. No, I mean, true to form, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so, I mean, we're, we're winding down a little bit. We're towards the end of it. So, I kind of want to bring it back to the band. Aside from, I know you spoke a little bit on uh, recording the next LP, which is I'm sure is going to be awesome. Is there anything else you guys kind of had planned or that you would like to see happen for the band in the next year? Um, I'd like to come to the States. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the big one for me. Hmm. I don't know about you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether that'll be this year, but um, we'll, we'll mm. have to see how things go. Because obviously, it's you know we're a small band and we don't have any money, and it's expensive to get there. Yeah, it is. Um, right now, it's kind of but, tough for touring. I know. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I just I want to write. I just want to write more and more, and I want to play more shows, and that's it, really. I mean, I don't even kind of. I've got no expectations about the rest of it. I just want to write music that, that I'm happy with with these guys and, and carry on being proud of the stuff we make. And I'd be super happy with that. And yeah, it's nice I to would, people. So. I just want to spend more time. I don't, like, um, I genuinely mean this. Like, I want to spend more time with the band. Mm. I want to spend, like, because obviously we've been meeting up and we've been playing these shows and it's been practice. And it's, but I'd like to, we, when we played in Zurich, um, I think Chris said it to me the once, like we actually got to spend time as people and friends and I'd like to just spend more time doing that as a band. And I think we're, like, do you, I'm allowed to say, on Chris, we're going away for 10 days uh, on a writing retreat. Mm. Um, and I'm really excited for that this year. Um, we're going in, is it March? March, yeah. So we're going in March, and I've been writing loads of lyrics and writing some music, and we've been passing ideas back and forth. And what will be nice is because we've done all this virtually, is to sit in a room with instruments, with amplification, and 
just feel it out and just be around each other and get to watch films on the night, eat together and like go for walks. I'm I'm excited for that. Yeah. And also excited for shows, but yeah, I'm just hanging out with my buddies. Yeah, we don't get to do it that much because everyone lives so far away. So usually come down, you know, for a weekend and we'll get like a couple of hours after practice to hang out and then <laughs> practice some more and then everyone goes home and then we don't see each other for another like six weeks or something. So yeah, this yeah. this new way of doing it where we're kind of like just going and renting a place and then we're just going to fully immerse ourselves in the in the atmosphere for 10 days is going to be amazing musically and just just to like you know it's just like a little holiday with your friends so yeah i'm excited for that that'd be really cool i'm excited to see what uh what fruit that bears as well yeah yeah man the stoke really excited um also obviously playing i'd like to like even if we don't manage to get over to the states this year maybe Mm. do some more shows in europe um if possible um also we've got something to sell now so like yeah the lp (laughs) comes out by the time this is out it'll be out already but the 23rd right yeah yeah uh do you want to tell everybody a little bit about the labels it's coming out on like where they can get copies like all that good stuff sure thing um well in in europe the best place to get it through is the voice of voice of the unheard records um that's run by yannick who's a lovely lovely person and then in the UK, it's coming out on Dog's Night, um, kind of a stroke left-hand label. Uh, in America, it's Clever Eagle Records. And then um, and then uh, the CD's coming out on Ripcord, Ripcord Records, who very kindly are just putting us the CD version of it out for us. So, yeah, it's coming out like a bunch of places, actually. And then we'll, we'll have a few things to sell our shows which hopefully we'll be doing a few more of mm. so, very so cool and it's so it's going to be mostly vinyl for the other labels and then ripcord's doing the cd you said yeah that's it yeah it's okay. just vinyl for everyone and then ripcord do the cds yeah very cool i saw some of the variants you guys were teasing on the instagram and they look gorgeous i can't yeah. wait to hold it in my hands i mean you first obviously but <laughs> yeah I'd like, i think I was, people have seen them before i have it's mad but yeah. everyone yeah, i've good. spoken to just been like it's a beautiful looking record and hopefully they enjoy what's on there as well. <laughs> Very cool. Um, okay. So I guess last question, we like to give you guys a space. Is there anyone you'd like to shout out? Like anyone, anything you'd like to plug for the band or outside of the band, or if there's any issues or causes you'd like to uh, bring to the public eye a little bit more, this is your space for that. Give the other guys in the band a shout out because they couldn't. They couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> massive one. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, little, uh, we'd like to maybe. So Rose Court's Court mastering. Uh, although we've mentioned them before, we'd like to thank. Uh, uh, my brain escapes me. My the name escapes me now. My brain has escaped me as well. Apparently, <laughs> it's quite late. Yeah. Did you just say my name escapes night. me? <laughs> my name escapes me. Our new uh, post-rock screamo emo dreamer band. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, Rose Quartz Mastering, like all the labels as well, we'd love to thank yeah. them. Um, and as far as causes, I think later on down the line, we'll probably address something like that. But because me and Chris haven't talked about it, I think maybe leave that till then. But yeah, I'm sure you Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Well, 
Uh, thank you both so much for coming on the show. I, I had a lot of fun. I hope you did too. Um, it's so, so nice to speak to you, man. Like, yeah. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure and we're so, so grateful for having us on. Hopefully I wasn't too much of a bumbling idiot. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. You both did great and uh, we hope to have you on in the future and you know, we all look forward to hearing what comes next for Deadbird. Um, if you're listening to this now, please check out In the Absence of once it comes out on vinyl and CD and it's available on streaming now. Thanks for listening. Ah!